If your life feels empty and lonely, despite the fact that you do all the things that you're supposed to do to fill up your life, you might be a covert avoider. You might have a good career, you're friendly, you're interesting, there's people in your life, but you feel like nothing is connecting and it's all superficial and it's not giving you happiness. If that's happening, it's time for you to ask yourself if you're secretly avoiding your own life. This is a really normal thing for people who had trauma when they were kids. And if that's you, you probably got really good at looking okay on the outside, being cheerful and appropriate and functioning. While secretly, you learn to protect your inner state by avoiding any kind of situation that might trigger you. Things like rejection, criticism, getting abandoned. My name's Anna Runkle, also known as the Crappy Childhood Fairy, and I teach people how to heal childhood PTSD symptoms so they can get free of trauma and become their real selves, become who they're meant to be. And that is what I want for you. Now, if you grew up abused and neglected, those things can make you feel destroyed. But if you go through life protecting yourself from it, that destroys you too. So on one side, you get triggered and you risk falling apart. And on the other side, you get hollowed out and you get robbed of the experience of real love and purpose and the connection to other people that everyone needs. Without it, our development gets frozen. We're like sad children wandering around. I don't want that to be you. Now, I call the problem covert avoidance because it's not like avoidant personality disorder. You've probably heard of that. You maybe have known people who have it. It's an extreme kind of anxiety and social avoidance, and it's on a level that would be fairly noticeable to other people. Some of you, if you do have that, you can put in the comments what it's like, how people respond to that, what kind of feedback you get. But covert avoidance isn't noticeable to other people. You seem okay. You're more or less interacting with the world, but you're on a lot of levels holding yourself apart from it. And you might not even be fully aware that you're doing it. But I'll tell you how to know that this is happening. You feel like you're too busy or too tired all the time to do normal things that a person in your position would do. Keeping your living space tidy, making decent food for yourself, maybe your kids, going to bed on time, getting up on time. When you're avoiding this level of functioning, it's an inward directed kind of avoidance. Then there are outward behaviors like you might be late to things. It's normal to be late occasionally, but if you're known for being late or you're late by about the same amount every time, it's avoidance. And that was the big obvious sign that I had back about 16 years ago at the end of my first marriage when my kids were small. I was pretty much late to everything. If a dinner party started at six o'clock, I'd be there at 6.45. If a client phone call started at 9 a.m., I'd come in at 9.02. If a group of friends were meeting up just to go hiking, I'd keep everybody waiting 20 minutes. And you know, sure, there was traffic, I couldn't find my son's shoes or whatever the obstacle seemed to be. I always had my reasons. I was busy, I was juggling a lot, I was always telling people how busy I was, in fact, even though that's like one of the most boring stories we can share. I'm so busy, you guys, let me tell you about it. But it was a way to keep everyone's focus off of my inner life and how bad things were going. And the thing is, even though I was juggling a lot at the time, you know, I was a working single mom, but you could take everything I did in a day that was uh, that I was showing up late for, and I could do it in the same amount of time, but just shifted 20 minutes earlier and then be on time for everything. It would be so much less stressful. But in my mind, I couldn't make that shift because I thought I was busy. In reality, I was shutting people out. I was shutting my life out. I was angry at my life and 
I was frustrated at all the trouble I had and I didn't want it anymore. And in particular, I was unhappy about my marriage, which was so hard. And I was overwhelmed emotionally pretty much all the time during that period. And if I were to actually open up to friends or leave the marriage, well, I just felt like I couldn't do it. I felt like I was barely holding myself together as it was. So I did what I had always known to do under pressure, and that's just muddle through. There's a lot to be said for just pushing through bad times. It's a superpower for those of us who get really triggered by life. It's a good thing to know how to do. But there comes a time when the avoiding has to stop if you're going to be happy. And if your circumstances are destroying your spirit, it is time to change. So what happened for me is I ended up in the hospital and I needed this major surgery. And this was right after my kid's dad and I had separated and we were hardly speaking to each other. And because I'd formed only these superficial, you know, put on a happy face kind of friendships, I wasn't close to anybody anymore. And that meant I had almost no support. I went a whole week in the hospital with just one visitor. And when it was time to go home, I needed somebody who could come pick me up and drive me because actually it's a requirement. Like they can't let you just go home in a taxi. You have to be picked up by somebody. I didn't have anyone. The surgery had been a disaster. I was going to end up needing a lot more surgery in the future after that. But that day, I had to call like 10 people to find one who was willing to pick me up. So I just want to say, okay, so I did have someone. But I got home and I could barely walk or get to the bathroom. I definitely couldn't get groceries or clean. And because I had to keep caring for my kids and doing work on my computer from home, I never got proper rest and I couldn't physically recover. And that's all like another story for another video sometime. But that's what chronic avoidance will get you. You you might get through one crisis by avoiding people and life, but the next crisis will come and it will lay you low and you'll face for real what's left when you spent years thinking you had no choice but to protect yourself, protecting that fragile place inside that lives in fear of being judged and left out and alone. In the long run, avoidance makes you alone. So how do you turn covert avoidance around? It is not easy, but when this all changed for me, I found it was pretty common sense. And I'll tell you exactly how I did it. So the first thing is you got to get super honest with yourself about your current circumstances and what is likely to happen if you don't change. You've got to become more conscious of why you're avoiding your own life. There's a very good reason, even if it's not actually good for you, but it helps to know and understand what you're trying to protect yourself from. When we were abused or neglected as kids, our little nervous systems got thrown off kilter by something called dysregulation. This is neurological. It's happening in your brain and body, and it can go on and keep getting worse your whole life if you don't learn to notice dysregulation and master re-regulation. Now, if you do a brain scan of someone who had an intensely stressful childhood and you talk to them now about something that's triggering for them, what you'll see on the scan is that brain waves change from a flowing and synchronized pattern into a chaotic pattern where parts of your brain are lighting up and firing in an unsynchronized way. Your heart rate and breathing, which are normally working in tandem too, they also get out of sync. And the result is called dysregulation. What it feels like when it's happening is being discombobulated, clumsy, a little disoriented, sensitive maybe to touch or light or sound, emotionally overreactive, and sometimes the opposite, checked out, emotionally flat, just spacey. Dysregulation isn't just a feeling though. It's a disruption 
that affects all your body systems. And it can be very serious over time for your health. So it's super important to learn to re-regulate. But until you do, anything that causes you stress is going to run the risk of throwing you into dysregulation. And it can take hours or days to come back from that. Have you experienced that? That's why CPTSD can be so debilitating. Now, everybody gets stressed sometimes, but not everybody gets dysregulated. And since most people with CPTSD have never even heard of dysregulation, they're going through life with this vulnerability to stress that can make it disabling. Now, other people seem to be fine participating in groups or forming close friendships, and we may compare ourselves, but they're not dysregulated. So we judge ourselves, and then we instinctively learn how to protect our brain and nervous system by avoiding stress. And let's be real. People cause stress. Getting involved in things causes stress. Being real and emotionally open and honest can leave us open to rejection and criticism, and that causes huge stress. So instinctively, we keep all these stressors just at arm's length. In our minds, it may seem like there's an external reason for why we fall apart inside, or we find excuses not to show up on time, not to participate in the school fundraiser, not answer the phone call or have the vulnerable conversation. But really, we're just trying to stave off dysregulation. And doing that day after day and year after year starts gutting the connections and habits that keep us happy. And then we have to look for ways to numb that too. One friend of mine who's incredibly insightful said she used to go to parties with a camera around her neck so that if she were speaking to somebody for more than a minute or two, she could say that she needed to leave the conversation. Oh, I got to go take pictures. Or she used a clipboard in her hand with a pen. I've done that. You can walk around like you're enjoying the party, but you're actually playing the role of, I don't know, an observer, an anthropologist, somebody who works there, and not just a person among equals having fun. When you're doing that kind of thing, you're really just holding dysregulation at bay, playing fake with the good people who are standing right in front of you, but you're wondering, why do I feel so alone? Is because you're not really there. So that's how it happens. Some of us do it by looking at our phones all the time. Some of us do it by taking unfulfilling jobs that we hate and then postponing the day when we'll start living our life until after we leave the job that we never should have taken in the first place. Then we've got a great excuse not to volunteer at the school or to take a walk with a friend or to collapse onto the sofa in the evening. And even at home, we can do covert avoidance with people we love just going through the motions, or we stay with people we never loved, just buying some time for the day when we can emotionally handle making changes. You could do avoidance through food, drugs, alcohol, video games, porn, through anything that numbs you, telling yourself that as soon as you can stop, you'll get out there and start your life again. I totally get it. Until you have a way to calm your triggers and handle stress when it comes, because it always comes, your CPTSD is going to control you. It's going to dictate that you will be cut off from your own life. And thankfully, there is a way to calm your triggers and re-regulate. So you don't have to avoid anything. And I can teach you that. That's where to start. You don't have to fix your whole life at once. Sometimes if you just orient yourself toward healing and you, you can do one small thing a day, then more changes follow naturally like dominoes. It's not about talking more about what happened to you in the past. It's about noticing the triggers you have right now and calming them, and then using that moment of calm to make some progress, to go say hello to your neighbor or answer a couple emails or clean the kitchen or break down some boxes for recycling from all that toilet paper you bought on Amazon. 
It feels good to take care of your life. And it's possible to challenge yourself a little bit when you know that you always have a quiet place to come back to. Now, if you're new to my channel, you're going to want to check out the free course, The Daily Practice. There's always a link to that in the description section below. So if you don't know that yet, or you don't have a way to pull back from a stress state of your own, you can learn my techniques and see if they don't help you to calm down and give you some energy back to do the things that make your life happier and fuller. Healing doesn't have to be torture and it does not have to go on forever before you start to feel better. We need to feel better right now. If dysregulation is what you have, don't be mean to it. Calm your triggers, take small steps consistently every day. It's not always easy, but it's not rocket science either. If this topic of feeling empty and avoiding people resonates with you, I recommend that you watch this video right here. It goes a little deeper into the ways that CPTSD can empty out your life and how you can come back and thrive stronger and more connected than ever. Thank you so much for listening. If you love my content, think about joining my membership program. You can find out more information about that and all my courses and coaching programs at crappychildhoodfairy.com. Remember, healing is possible. People with childhood PTSD can have a wonderful life. Sometimes we just need a few workarounds. I'll see you next time.